If I can uh, get one of our elders, Scott Cruzy, to sit down, we can start the class. Is that right, Scott? <laughs> Scott, are you the? <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Sorry. Good. 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 Well, welcome. It's good to have you. I know that. Uh, um, I'm sure that Kyle Crawl set the table very well for me this uh, today, so thanks, Kyle. Okay. Okay. Um, hi, Allie. Hello. Um, so uh, I do, Kyle and I, as you all know, or teen teens in the class, you may have forgot, I was here a few Sundays ago, been gone. But the point is, uh, the whole class is an emphasis on evangelism. And... You know, um, I know that every one of us probably have a different thought about what evangelism is or should be or what it is. And, and you know, I, I can't speak for Kyle, but, uh, you know, uh, the Bible is the truth that we go back to for evangelism. And it's because we do evangelism because of the ones of us in this room that have Jesus Christ in our heart you know, that's why we do evangelism. You know, all of you know in this room I've shared, why do I go to New York? I go to New York because I want to share Jesus Christ. Okay, I don't go to New York because it's the only place I can share Jesus Christ. But I will assure you that um, uh, because I go to uh, New York, I have a confidence, not an overconfidence, but a confidence I could share Jesus Christ uh, to whomever I run into, um, you know, here in this area. So that's, you know, just something I wanted to share. L let's, uh, I'd like to, you know, because we're talking about evangelism, and today we want to talk about, uh, Kyle and I talked on the phone this past week, and uh, today I want to talk about what the gospel says about evangelism. And I know we've gone over a few verses uh, I didn't get to listen to last week's uh, thing for what Kyle covered, but I know Kyle's covered it. I covered it the first Sunday I was here uh, of some verses of why we do evangelism, why do we go out. And so since we're talking about evangelism, and Kyle and I talked about we wanted to spend some time in prayer, I wrote some things up here on the whiteboard, uh, you know, prayer of what we sh when we talk about evangelism. You know, um, I think it's pretty important that our heart is prepared. You know, I mean, uh, why do I do evangelism? You know, do I do it because I want to feel good? Eh, that could be a way. Do I feel guilty, you know, that I need to do evangelism? Sometimes that's the way I do. But, you know, why do we do evangelism? Because we have a hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. Correct? And we want to share that with our neighbor with our family, whatever. So I would like to take a few moments before we really start into our, our, our lesson or what I have prepared, to just to pray for our hearts, for our loss, for the hurting, for families, for our, for our families, for our friends, for our coworkers, for our neighbors. And you know, there is, a, as we all know, don't do that, Alec, please, okay? Because um, it'll start something here. Uh, she was yawning. I'll just confess it for them, Alec, please. Okay. Uh, you know, um, 
But let's just spend some time. And it's open prayer. You can just pray if you'd like. Um, I'm going to ask Kyle to close when he feels, you know, uh, that, you know, it's time. But just uh, if you just want to pray silently, that's fine. If you want to pray openly, I would, you know, encourage you to pray openly. I would like that. I'm going to start. And then if you just want to pray, and again, there's probably other things on your heart or on your mind other than what I put on this list, but uh, let's just pray, uh, uh, you know, and I'll I'll open. Thank you. Father God, we just thank you for another Sunday to get to come together uh, as believers, to encourage one another, um, to love on one another, to uh, uh, just the friendship that we have as believers, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ as believers. And Lord, as we pray over these next few minutes, that uh, uh, I, I start just by my heart, Lord, I know my heart is not always definitely not in tune with you. But Lord, I pray that for myself and for us this morning in Jesus' name. So please pray as you'd like. We really need so hard to talk to him. We just ask for it that you would touch his heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Help us, Father, not to have uh, to be rejected when we approach people to talk to them about Jesus. That's always a, a fear that give us that uh, added strength. Or give us grace, your love and strength, and help us through it. Father, I want to pray for Dave Calhoun in that area of suffering. We know, Lord, he has suffered for a long time, and the doctors don't seem to know exactly what to do with him. I pray that this weekend or tomorrow, as he begins his testing of the males, that you would definitely undertake for him and give the doctors and those that come to him direction and wisdom. And encourage him, Lord, uh, in his faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we ask for boldness, boldness to just uh, bring forth your your message, your word, your gospel. Uh, you can warm <coughs> up in our hearts and and prevent us from from sharing in a moment that uh, that we think we're going to be rejected, Lord. And, and, and Lord, I, I pray for that boldness to push through the fear to talk to those that we see lost, that we see suffering, that we see getting uh, just uh, the burden of the world, just bringing them down, Lord. And we just pray that, that you give us the words, the confidence to give them the gospel, to tell them the good news of Jesus, and that... That there's hope, hope for them, hope for the world, and and hope for each other, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to pause, <clears throat> reflect, and give you thanks for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, help us to <clears throat> to see those who need you, and help those who need you. 
that do not know you in any way, that help them to understand when people try to tell them a little bit about you and to tell them in ways that they will understand it. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for a, a young high school student that was in our first service here and in church for the first time in many, many years. I pray for his heart, Lord. It sounds like he is far from you right now, but for whatever reason, he came today, and I am thankful for that movement in his heart, Lord. I pray that he would have the courage and strength and desire to attend Sunday school, and if not Sunday school, hopefully youth group this week. I pray that um, fellow Christian um, students from DMAC would reach out to him and and come alongside him and encourage him and you. Um, as it's already been prayed, we know it is your spirit that's going to open his eyes, and I just pray for his eyes to be enlightened and his heart to be softened, Lord. And I pray that um, you would remind us this week to pray for this this young man um, at this pivotal point in his life. The Lord is uh, next couple of days uh, um, hanging out with extended family in the midst of the loss of a cousin. Uh, I, uh, I know there's a lot of questions of uh, some unsaved my extended family, and uh, uh, Lord, I, I pray that hearts would open to uh, have those conversations, Lord, and, uh, about you and uh, your gospel. Lord, uh, the Lord uh, starts softening hearts and minds, Lord, that uh, will be open uh, to hear. And I hope that we've been praying about and talking about, Lord, hope that it changes. It changes lives for eternity. Lord, uh, we pray you're the one that opens those lives, those hearts, and uh, please, please, Father, we're thankful for um, that you hear our prayers and that we can call out to you and you're our creator and our redeemer, and we can trust in you that you are unchanging and uh, you're the giver of all good gifts. And to you, we can boldly come and you answer our prayers. And we love you for it. Uh, we're thankful that you sent your son, uh, that you can redeem us all. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, as we look to this world that does not praise your name and glorify you, uh, we look at that as a travesty, Lord. And, uh, we want to be your instruments in your hand. We want to be your ambassadors. Help us be a light to our community, to our um, our neighbors, our, um, our co-workers, um, our friends, and our relatives, uh, that we can be a light and uh, that we can be bold, uh, that we can be salt um, to the world there, Lord. So give us the words to say, Lord. Let us this morning here as we listen to your word that will be changed by it, uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for uh, praying and, and sharing. But, you know, one of the things that um, um, when we think about um, 
you know, sharing Jesus Christ. Do you think that every time we share Jesus Christ with someone, we have to hit them with the gospel? We have to hit them that they need to come to Jesus Christ? I don't think so. Sometimes you need to be the friend so that they will come to ask you things. Yeah, later. yeah. So Karen and I used to attend uh, Grace Church in Morton. And if any of you know Milo Nussbaum that pastored there for 30 years, 40 years, uh, Milo was just such a gracious soul. And I re do you remember him, Steve? Yeah. Um, but one of the things, and I don't know if Karen remembers this, but one of the things that Milo used to mention, to me at least, and maybe to others, I'm sure, is be that cold drink of water to that person, your neighbor, you come in contact with your coworker. Be that cold drink of water. What's a cool drink of water? <clears throat> it's not that hit them, right? It's that cool drink of water. That refreshment that we get, right? From that cool drink of water. And Milo's point was, he didn't say it, but I, you know, I grew up in East BR, we're slow but friendly, so I get it. Okay? Be that refreshment to him. Be that touch to that person. You know, uh, um, Scott Cruzy prayed about a cousin, I believe, passed away or something. And he prayed about his family and touching them. Scott doesn't go in there today or this week and hit him with the gospel, does he? What's that is? It's loving on him. It's loving on him. Okay. Um, if I want to ask you a question, and I would appreciate if you would participate. Um, if we can remember, okay, uh, how old were you when you first heard about Jesus? And how old were you when you accepted Jesus? Just share. Yes. My parents, I didn't grow up in church, but my parents would send me to the church down the road to go to BBS every summer because it was like, you know, free babysitting for them, I guess. You know, sort of thing. <laughs> okay. And they talked about Jesus, you know, in BBS. Yeah. So I, I heard that, and, and so that was, I don't know, elementary school, whatever yeah. old I was. And I finally came to faith around the age of 18. Okay, 18. Okay. Anybody else? I was probably nine, or I can't remember nine. exactly, but uh, bus ministry came and asked if we wanted to go to church. And so my mom said, sure, why not? So I rode, and I rode the bus to church, or probably children's church at first. Okay. Place, but then it was my first year in junior high youth group when I was 12. So probably about 9 to 12. 9 to 12? 12, 12, okay. Um, I started Sunday school like four or five years old. And then when I turned about 18, the Lord was knocking at my door. And I ignored him, and I went down the other road. And at 26 is when I fell to my knees. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, I can't speak for Scott and Teresa Cruz, but I know they came to Christ in your 30s? 36. 36? I was 18. You were 18. Um, you know, I have a, one of my best friends uh, was 37. Um, when he became to Christ. And he shares that he 
uh, grew up in a church in Kankakee, a very liberal church, and he said that he'd never heard the Bible read at all in this church until he got to, when he got to Eastern Illinois University in college. His senior year in college, he went to a church in um, Charleston, Mattoon area. It's the first time he heard the Bible read in the church. Now, maybe for some of us in the room, me including, that grew up in a church, that's hard to imagine that you can... And I remember asking one time, I said, Steve, what, 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 what did you do on Sunday morning when you went to church? He goes, oh, he goes, we had a, we had a minister in Kankakee that would read Boy's Life or would read um, Life magazine, some article out of there, and he would try to apply it to your life. And, you know, I can't fathom that, but, you know, we, we, we hear that today, I'm sure. Okay. Um, so we, you know, I heard several of you talk about when you came to Christ. The next question I'd like to ask you is, you, you know, we, we, through parents, through church, through VBS, through probably a number of other ways, but did Christ's love factor into that at all? <clears throat> Guy. Yeah, um, so I first heard the gospel probably about nine, ten years old. I actually didn't know the Lord when I was 34. Um, and I knew Jesus as my Savior, the love of Jesus. I didn't really, it took a couple of years for it to sink in, but I needed to obey Him as well. So the love of Jesus, yeah, at, at first. Yeah. But I, I get, and thanks, Guy, I guess I, I don't want to be make that too complicated, but the point is, what draws us to Jesus, or what draws you you know, there, many of us in this room are married. What draws us to our mate? I guess I'm trying to uh, compare it. To what draws us to Christ? You know, what draws us to our mate, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a deep thinker. I confessed to you already that I grew up in East Peoria. I'm slow but friendly. So what my point is, what draws us to somebody? They care about us. They're concerned about us. They love us. You know, so, you know, Christ compels us in, in many different ways. But Christ, to me, I think what draws me to Christ is that I know He loves me. He cares about me. You know, why did the man in hell in the Scriptures say, Send someone to my family to tell them about this. You know, it's too late for him, but and it's too. And the response was too late for his family because they hear they know the word. So I guess my point is, you know, Christ is all around us. There's opportunities to hear about him, but what does it say in the in the Bible? Our hearts are hard, isn't it? So. Caring about somebody, loving someone, you know, to me has a lot to do with why we come to Christ. You know, 
when we try to share Jesus with someone, uh, what's some responses that you have gotten? Are they all excited? Go ahead, Gina. Made up story. Good. Ted? I was a plumber at St. Francis Medical Center for eight and a half years, and that was a good opportunity to talk to people about the Lord because they were hurting and they were desperate, and some of them, you know, were even dying. And, uh, what I used to do is approach them. I'd go into like a, a patient room, and they'd be in bed, and you could tell they were very depressed. And I was going in to work on their bathroom, and the, all of a sudden they just start talking to me, giving me their their story. And I'd always approach them by, well, I don't want to sound preachy or anything. That I had, uh, I always get on my knees and ask the Lord to come into my life. And I say, and you can do the same thing. You don't need to get out of bed. Just when I leave here, just look up in the, at the ceiling and ask the Lord to come into your life. And a lot of them were real receptive. But one day I was uh, over in the, uh, I don't know, physician's building, which is across from the old hospital, and I was in there, and some older lady comes walking by, and she, I tried the same thing on her. She was grumping about something, and I said, well, ma'am, um, when I have problems, I always take it to Jesus, and she says, don't tell me about Jesus, and she just yelled it. And it kind of made me mad, and I said, well, try it. You'll like it. <laughs> so that was the one of the negative ones. Yeah. Most people re were receptive. Yeah. So. Steve? I think there's another element that brings people to Christ. Uh, I mean, it certainly was involved with me, and that was fear. Because, you know, we all have... We all have an innate um, desire or feeling for self-preservation. And if somebody comes to you, if you're driving down a road at 55 miles an hour, and a guy's standing at the side waving his hands, and he's got a flashlight and, you know, and, and all that, and, and you stop and roll down the window, he says, stop, the bridge is out two miles down the road. <clears throat> what, do you, what keeps you from just saying, oh, you're full of baloney and, and keep going? Okay, there's a reason why, and you know, the, the, the psalm says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and I think that that's not just being afraid that, you know, if God has every right to shoot a lightning bolt at me, I think it has, you know, respect and, and a lot of other things rolled into it, but yet I, I'm not sure that it's um, possible to be saved to something until you understand what you've been saved from. Because if all we have is this is this picture of God as being kind of the fuzzy old grandpa upstairs, um, and we don't understand that, you know, at the end of your life, if you haven't made Jesus your Savior, if you haven't taken care of your sin problem, because that's really what evangelism is based around, isn't it? It's the sin problem. Yeah. You know, if we didn't if we didn't have a sin problem, there would be no reason to evangelize. Yeah. So, so if we um, 
if we somewhere along the line we have to realize that that sin problem is unsolvable outside of Jesus, and that if we don't take care of that, if our life ends, we're lost. And so um, I, I'm not discounting anything that else has been said, because I think at some point you can't, you got to get away from the fear aspect of it and realize that, you know, in First John it says, if you love me, you will obey me. And, and you know, there's, there's not fear in there. It's just, you know, I want to obey because I love Jesus. But um, for me, at least, you know, fear played a very, fear is a powerful motivator, you know, in a lot of ways. And it can be a positive motivator or it can be a negative motivator. And I know people that, you know, they, they walk around feeling like, you know, God just hates me, you know, and, and, and they have that kind of a fear as opposed to sort of a, you know, holy fear, which recognizes that I have to come to God on his terms, you know, and, and his terms are Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to him except by him. And so I think that, to me, that seems to, that seems to be a good foundation to build our evangelism on. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you say, you bring up the word fear. Uh, Karen and I were in uh, at the Ark Encounter a couple weeks ago, and uh, we got to hear Ken Ham speak. And Kim Ham shared about, forgive me, Karen, was it Bill Nye? Yes, Bill Nye, the science guy. The science guy was at the uh, Creation Museum here. I, I, he didn't say when. Oh, okay, okay. And Ken Ham was having a Ken Ham was having a conversation with him, and towards the end, probably I think it was was a Karen. Ken Ham asked him, "What's keeping you from coming to faith in Jesus Christ?" And I, I think I'm right in what Steve's saying. Why I picked up on that word fear. Bill Nye said something to the effect, "Well, I would lose all credibility." To the evolution, to, to the evolution side that I've preached and taught and expounded for years, I would lose all respect. They wouldn't respect me anymore. So, uh, you know, his fear of what men would say. What men would say was he said, and Ken Ham said, "Well, uh, so then uh, you don't. Uh, so when you die." You you don't desire to have anything after death, and the guy and Kit, Bill Nye said no. I and Ken Ham's point was, um, don't we want to know after death there's something else we can go to heaven for for something else? And Ken Ham's point was, Bill Nye, no. After death, there's nothing. You know, so his your point, Steve, is well taken. That they shared that about Bill Nye. His, you know, there's no fear of death. There's no, yeah. you know. Go ahead. Yeah. One thing about it is, a lot of people on that side of the spectrum, they they want to believe that when it's over, it's over. They don't realize. That we're all going to live for eternal. We're all destined for eternity. 
It's just where are we going to be? And that's the big difference. Bill Nye is so worried about these people that have followed him and given him all the praise and stuff, losing them, but losing heaven to get hell, not a wise choice. Yeah. You know? yeah. But to believe that's a bad choice, you have to believe there's a heaven and a hell. Yeah. And I think that's our experience yeah. with family members who are not believers. You can't share Jesus with someone who doesn't think they need saved from anything. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's convincing them of that first, I think, because we've had conversations that go round and round. But when you believe there is no sin problem and there is no life after death, there's really not much to talk about. Yeah. Except yeah. for just to leave it in God's hands in prayer and continue to love them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what that's what I've found over the years. If you kind of think about a common theme, people kind of think of Jesus and salvation in the biblical sense. It's just one of the other options, right? Like, there's other things, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's great for you. You know, I'm glad you believe in that. Yeah. I thought about that. And, you know, I believe in God. You know, but to them, there's other options to get where they want to go. And I think even in today's world, and this is why I think even more than ever, we need to emphasize the Holy Spirit's working because there is so much garbage out there on social media. People are, I think, more mixed up today than they've ever been because there's just so many messages going into their head, so many things that are confusing them that I don't think they know what way is up and what way is down, yeah. right? And that's where, you know, if it was up to us, I'd be discouraged. I'd give up, right? I'd go, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with all these conspiracy theories and all these things people are propagating on social media. But the difference is, is that the Holy Spirit works, and he is more powerful than all of right. us, right? So I, yeah. I'm faithful in sharing. He does the working. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that sharing is just being in their life. All right. That cold cup of water. You know, just being there, you know. Uh, I Go ahead, Guy. Interestingly, yeah. if we circle back to the love that you're referring to, um, so Jesus first loved us, and, and then somehow, miraculously, we end up um, accepting Jesus in our hearts. It's really not of us. The paradox is he still instills that in us. He gives us that passion and desire. Um, going back about 20 years, maybe 25 years, uh, I had a client who needed to hire somebody to help them in their sales department, so I hired that person. Brent is his name. Um, and during that time, I shared God, and I shared the gospel a number of times. Several years later, he resigned. And his main, uh, his main uh, uh, criticism was that here's this guy talking about God all the time. I didn't want to hear it. So he resigned because of that. Hmm. Well, and he didn't want anything to do with me. Fast forward about 12 years, I received a call from him. And he said, Gaetano, he said, I just want you to know, I, I sensed that you really loved me and cared about me, but I didn't want to hear it because you talked about God. But I just want you to know you're only the second man that I've mentioned this to. I accepted Jesus Christ yesterday. Mm. And it's wow. because, he says, ever since that you didn't, ever since I left 
the employment, and I blamed you for it, but it kept resonating, and I, I kept getting convicted. It took 12 years, but I finally came to know Jesus. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So you, you never know. Yes, we never know. We need to show that love because Jesus first loved us. Yes, yeah, yeah. I uh, go ahead. Yeah, I had a brother that I knew loved me, and he would talk to me occasionally about the Lord. <clears throat> and one night he came, as I was milking cows, and he said, "Brother, he's we had a prophecy conference at our church." I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." And he said, "Do you know someday it's going to be in the United States of Europe?" I laughed at him. We was living in Pekin that day at that time. I wasn't saved. And, and as, I, as I was traveling in Pekin, I can show you the spot in the road. I heard a, I imagine he was an unsaved newscaster. I think I could speak to you through an unsaved newscaster. He said, you know, he was a newscaster. Uh, I think it was Drew Pearson. I, I just can't remember his name, but. He's, every, after he would finish, he'd say, oh, he said, I, I predict. And he said, I predict someday there's going to be the United States of Europe. <laughs> now, that was love and fear. <laughs> and oh, my. I, I said, what? You mean the Bible teaches that? And here he teaches that? And... and I wasn't over a few months later. I came to Christ yeah. using an unsaved, Save. probably, I don't know, it's for sure, newscaster. Yeah. But a comment that was made by someone that you didn't know whether it was a believer or not. Yeah. <clears throat> but God used it, yeah. you know, to uh, bring you to Him, right? Well, here's some encouragement, hopefully. Okay. Uh, I like uh, looking. Um, on the internet to a group called Barna Group. Barna's the largest or leading evangelical research group. I was like uh, reading, going on there and reading their information. Here's some encouragement. Hopefully it'll be to you. You know, when we think about our culture and think about sharing Jesus Christ, okay, Barna did a study, and this study's back in 20. 19, 70% of Americans have a positive view of Jesus. Positive view. If you ask them what they would think of Jesus, this, now I don't know what the questions they asked, I didn't look at that part, but the result were 70% had a positive view of Jesus. But here's the other side of that. When they ask the question, what is your view of the church? It was a very negative view. Barna states that 68% of Americans, now they, these are the same people. There were 5,000 people in this uh, group that was asked these questions. So 70% of, the, of these people are asked the question, have a positive view of Jesus. 68% of the same people had a negative view of the church. 
Who's the church? Us. And when they went on to ask these people that were in this survey, why do you feel that about the church, negative about the church? What do you tell me? What do you think? One word. There were several here, but I know we know that. Go ahead, Gina. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. That's one. That was one of them. What's another one? Pardon? Judgmental. Judgmental intolerance. Those are the first three. You know, I don't know how many of you in this room uh, heard about what's going on in Morton in the school district the last couple of weeks. Any, any of you went to the meeting or maybe you streamed the meeting the other night. But uh, Troy Teeter comes to this church and he's one of the associate superintendents there. Um, Troy just shared with our small group last Sunday night that he said, you know, what's interesting is you brought it up, the word intolerance. We're told that we're intolerant because we disagree with you. So the, uh, the, that 68% feel hypocritical, judgmental, and intolerant. You know, of that group, okay, 18% of them was asked, do you have any respect towards God or the church? 18% said they have no respect for God or the church. I already asked you, who's the church? It's us. Okay, and what are we supposed to do as Christians? We're to reflect what? Christ. And what do we what were what are we been told in the word? Who are we created in? God's image. Okay? Uh, Matthew 5 4 tells us you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Okay? So if I'm in Christ's image, I'm to be the light of the world. What's one thing I we talked earlier about? The love of Jesus, God's love. So we have a, there's people that have a positive view of Jesus, but then when it comes to the church, they have a negative view. And I'm not trying to stand here and be judgmental of us as believers this morning and beat you over the head, but if I'm supposed to be in Christ's image and I'm supposed to love the world, is there a disconnect there? I mean, is it anything disconnected? Here's an example that we have of Jesus. If you want to open up your Bible, I'm going to spend the next few minutes in John, the book of John. Um... But go to John chapter 4, verse 9. 
Now, that whole, this whole section of verses talks about when Jesus came into Samaria. Now, remember, did the Samaritans and the Jewish people like each other? No. The Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans, didn't they? And when you think about this portion of Scripture in chapter in John chapter 4, uh, I mean, even this woman, this Samaritan woman that Jesus came to at the well, okay, she said to him, you talking to me, look at uh, verse 9. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, you know, I'm sorry, I, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? I mean, what was Jesus' response? If you go on down, okay, he asked her for a drink. But the, the, the verses I want to go over to are verse 16 through 18. Now again, we're called judgmental, we're called hypocritical, we're called intolerance, we're made in the image of God. Look at verse 16 through 18. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. My point of these verses is, um, do you think when Jesus, put yourself in Jesus' shoes at that particular moment, do you think Jesus, when he said that, it was like uh, he was hitting that woman over the head with a hammer. I mean, we can't, we're not there in that moment. But when we have read the scriptures and we've heard the scriptures for years, do you think Christ's love was coming out in those comments? Here's a Samaritan woman. And, you know, really, when you could go back to that thing, when, Jesus, when she says, you, talking to a Samaritan? His response was after that, he didn't come back and say, bam, you're not, you know, you're right. I'm leaving. You know, and my point is, you know, Jesus says, I think, the point I'm trying to share here with you is, to me, Jesus' love was coming out here. And we're made in God's image. And believe me, folks, I wish my wife wasn't in here today. Um, uh, although maybe Karen could say that I'm loving all the time at home. You know, can't you, Karen? You know? No. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot, Karen. But my point is, we're not loving all the time, are we? We're not in a great mood all the time, are we? You know, can anyone confess that they didn't wake up in the greatest mood this morning? 
or tomorrow morning, or the first person that we talk to tomorrow morning we're going to like. You know? The, the thing is, you know, um, all we know about Jesus is what we read in the Scriptures, what we've been told, but um, I can't imagine, you know, that Jesus was not loving in this situation with this woman. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. Tomorrow morning, when you see someone that you don't like, the person dr- jumps in front of you in the car, in the, on, the, on the street. Your neighbor next door to where Karen and I live sometimes has eight cars in that house that they park in front of our house. You know, I mean, my point is, I can't see where Christ was not unloving with this person, this lady. In fact, you know, if we look at this whole scripture, what did she do? She leaves him. She goes into the town. And she tells these people in the town, come and see. Come and see this man, the Messiah, Jesus. You know, she it didn't say, it doesn't say in that scripture that she became a believer of Christ then. It doesn't say that uh, uh, everything was you know perfect in her life. But I again I can't you know know what happened in that exact moment other than in my faith in Christ. I believe that Christ's love was coming out like a neon sign in that scripture to that lady. You know, and my only point, you know, that Samaritan woman, it doesn't say uh, what she knew of Christ. It just says that she, you're a Jew. She didn't say he was the Christ. You're a Jew. You're not supposed to talk to me. You know, um, was he judgmental at that time? Was he hypocritical at that time? For that moment? You see, why I picked John this morning was that, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we can read and we have read, many of you, it's what Jesus taught, okay, the disciples, the people he came in contact with. But what I like about John is, uh, and what I like about this part, it tells us who Jesus is. He's the love, okay? What we know about, uh, you know, that he is the true light. You know, um, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of, the, of life. What did we say earlier? Who created us? In whose image? God's image. What do we know about that image? What do we know about that light that we just read about in John 12? Go back to Genesis 1, 3. 
And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You know. Yes. Hey, Mark, just real quick an observation. So I, I don't think that any of us would disagree. I'm not sure the church of today has kind of lost its way, right? We, we definitely are not examples of Christ. And we certainly as a church, as a universal body, are not really walking in the love that Jesus has set an example for us. But I, I would also caution that I that we shouldn't look to the world as a validator of whether or not we're doing that because I know Jesus walked in love, but Jesus was Jesus, right? He he was perfect and he knew exactly what to do in these situations. But if you look at Paul, Paul's whole ministry was characterized by riots and sure. and protests and jail and people complaining about him. So if he took a poll from the world on Paul, he probably wouldn't have gotten high marks, right? So I get it that we're, we've lost our way. We have a lot of opportunity to change the way the world perceives us. But I think one of the reasons why the world perceives us and, and some of those characteristics is because some people are standing for truth, right? And because you don't agree with me, and because you don't like what I do, then you're being judgmental with the critical, right? So I think, I think we've got to be careful there. I, I think your point's taken that I think we definitely have an improvement opportunity there. But again, I don't think we use the world's validation of whether or not we're doing what Jesus has called us to do. Right. Right. It all goes back to truth. Steve. And also, just to kind of tag onto that, you know, Jesus in here didn't, he asked two questions, or he made two statements that were very exclusive. The first one, he said, well, you drink this water here, and you're going to thirst again, but you drink of what I give you, and it's going to, you know, and so she could have said, well, who do you think you are? You know, and and then when he went on and said, we'll call your husband. Well, she could have. I'm offended at that because, you know, you sound like you may not accept my lifestyle or, you know, but, you know, Jesus had, he knew what her need was. And so he spoke to her need. And, uh, and I, and, and I, 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 it'd be interesting to know when, when, you know, and when Barna took that survey and people said, well, the church is intolerant. Why is it that you think the church is intolerant? Because, they don't agree with you or uh, because, see, our, our society has been programmed to think that, you know, your mind has got to be open, baby. You know, and if you don't celebrate the guy next to you, you know, the way they're living, then there's something wrong with you, not maybe with them. Yeah. And so, you know, when when you approach or when people approach each other, just like you were talking about the school board. You know, if we've gotten down to a point where if you don't agree with me, you're intolerant. Well, we don't have anything to talk about then because we got to be able to to interact and and uh, so I'm not sure if I'm really making the point well, the, that I want to, but the point is, Steve, there was more I could have read from that Barnos group to the group, right? But uh, to go into more facts about what you're saying, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, but I just didn't. I didn't pull it all out to use it this morning, but there is more to that. Yeah. With their explanation. I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, I, I would like to point out that the survey is five years ago, and I would think it would be a lot worse now because they are intolerant if you disagree and you stand for truth. Yeah. I, I think it's a lot worse now. Yeah, I, I, it could be. Yeah, I don't disagree with you in the culture, Gina. Yeah, I'm just wondering if when we read this passage, it's important to. And, and this is just a question to look at the context and the fact that 
Jesus was using that as his opportunity to announce his ministry, right? And that he opened her eyes, right? And we're not Jesus. So we need to bear his image well, but to always remember to stay in our lane, right? Like we, it's, we are called to admonish. We're called to implore. We're called believers, right? That's a belief, how we treat a believer. But with non-believers, I think it's important that we always stay in our lane, right? Share the good news and understand it's God that opens hearts. It's God that opens eyes. It's God Absolutely. That makes a person ready to go and tell about him. Right. And to, to you know, of course, she wasn't saying, how dare you say that to me? Because... He had picked that time and opportunity for that to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. My only point is, uh, and we don't know the we don't know the set. I mean, we know the setting from what it describes. Mm -hmm. My only point here this morning is that it doesn't say in that in the scripture there that he pounded her overhead. It doesn't say that he came right out in judgment. My point is, okay, he loved her. He loved her. Okay, so, and I'm going to, excuse me, Gina, I'm going to let Alan speak because we've got to close her. So I don't mean to, Alan, you had your hand up. Well, I was just thinking, when I came to Christ, it was because people invited me to their home for pizza and a bunch of boys played basketball. Then I met a cute girl and I wanted to know her, but eventually I had to accept the fact when I went to church to see her, basically, I heard the word, heard the gospel, and I had to make that decision of what I was going to do. You know, you yeah. had that decision had to be brought to you. You want to spend your life in heaven or in hell. Those kind yeah. of things yeah. have to come eventually. Yeah. I'm going to close with a verse. Hopefully it's an encouragement to you. Okay. And it goes back again to uh, um, what I said earlier. Um, just encourage you. And Karen will remember this from uh, Pastor Milo Nussbaum at Grace Church in Morton. All, he would always say he, that he who began the good work in you will complete it. Hopefully that's an encouragement to you today. And to know that our Christ loves us, you know. Uh, yes, he's going to judge us. Yes, you know, he loves us and gives us that hope that we've talked about this morning. Uh, we need to pray and close. Uh, the way Kyle and I talked about the schedule is I will be back next Sunday. And I didn't even get halfway through what I wanted to share this morning, so... Okay? Okay. Is that okay, Kyle? If I come back and do the... I'm already prepared, Kyle. Cause you, no. So does that mean I don't even have to study this week? I already have it. No, 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 no. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the hearts that are here in this room. Thank you that we were created in your image. Thank you that you love us, Father. Thank you that you give us a hope. And we don't have to be like a Bill Nye and say, for fear of what people are going to think of me, for fear of what the uh, media and everybody else, Lord, but we can have put our faith and trust in you. <clears throat> Lord, thank you. We love you. 
We pray for this day and this week that we can just love on our families, our neighbors, our co-workers. And Lord, if you give us the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them, may we be ready, as you said in your word, to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Thanks. Have a good week. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you have a good day today? <laughs> well, I have so much ready to prepare, but I'm glad that it, the discussion got because I really wanted to. I really wanted to get discussion going. You know, get some comments. Kind of. Yeah, we want things. We want people convicted and changed. Yeah, I don't like. I, and then you got to make sure you plug that in so that it uploads. Oh, okay, okay. I, I don't. I, the, the first week, I think I was. I, I, I talked too much, and I didn't want to. No, no, it's just. Okay. Pilots. Yeah.